In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCEN friend, Kay Brown. Michael Dexter and Mark Eggers talk with Kay about her life with an LVAD. Listen to Kay as she tells you what an LVAD is and what it does. Kay also shares how important it is to be part of a support group. This episode is called Battery Operated Grandma. Hello and welcome to BCEN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCEN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Mark Eggers, Manager of Education Technology Services at BCN, and one of your hosts for today. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCN. Hi, Michael. Hey, Mark. Great to be with you again. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Kay Brown. Michael, could you please tell us about our BCN and friend, Kay? Yes, I would be happy to do that. Kay Brown is a 73-year-old grandmother, mother, and wife who is blessed with a caring family. Kay doesn't mind telling her age because she says she worked very hard for all those years, and she doesn't mind claiming all of them. She was a commercial property manager until her heart issues made it impossible, and she had to retire in her early 60s. Kay was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, a form of congestive heart failure when she was 55 years old and told she had about five years to live. Thankfully, the drug Coreg was discovered and extended her life for years, but as time passed, her heart failure symptoms increased uh, as the disease progressed. In September of 2016, she had her first heart failure episode, was taken to the hospital by ambulance, and from then on, uh, she was having heart failure episodes about every two months. They progressively got worse until the last of June in 2017. While preparing to go home from the hospital, another episode happened, which left her on life support and unconscious. One young doctor gave her husband a death message and said this would be a life-ending experience. The regular cardiologist that she used knew that the only hope was an LVAD, and she was transferred to Baylor in Dallas, Texas. In a couple of days after arriving, they implanted an LVAD. That was almost five years ago, and she's living a full life and thankful to God and the medical staff who have given her another chance to live. Kay, welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much, Michael and Mark. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to share my experience about the LVAD. Well, we appreciate you being here. And before we get into your uh, LVAD conversation. Can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself and um, more about your career of what you did prior to retiring? Well, it was a long time ago, but I do still remember uh, my career as a commercial property manager. Um, it was high stress, which really helps when you have cardiomyopathy, but it was high stress. I worked for some great people, uh, great building owners, and you're kind of in a situation where you're balancing working for the company that you work for, the, the commercial property company, the owners of the property and the people that are leasing the property. So it was uh, a lot of juggling balls, but um, I'm thankful for it. met a lot of wonderful people. Well, great. And so now you have an LVAD. And I wanted to ask you about that because some people feel like having an LVAD is juggling balls and <laughs> there's different components involved and things. So can you tell everybody about your LVAD and what exactly it does? Okay. 
Um, the LVAD is a left ventricular assist device. It's attached to my heart on the left ventricle, lower side of my heart. And then it has a, a tube that runs around and goes into the aorta. And so it takes blood out of the ventricle and back into the aorta and moves the blood that my heart is no longer um, able to do. Um, yes, there are, are things about the LVAD. I mean, it's uh, I'm battery operated. Um, my kid, my grandkids love that. They they say I'm a, a, a battery operated grandma, and I am. Uh, <clears throat> so we all like about that. Um, I have no heartbeat. Uh, I have no pulse. Matter of fact, um, we have. I have a T-shirt that says "No pulse, no problem." Um, the the LVAD makes a whirring sound. Um, mine, I have a HeartMate 3, and it goes, and so when you listen with the stethoscope, that's what you hear. You don't hear heart thump thump anymore. When you go to take your pulse, you, you can't feel a pulse. Blood pressure is the same way. And of course, the first thing nurses usually do, medical staff usually do, is want to take your blood pressure and your pulse, and I tell them, look, I'm not telling you not to try, but you're not going to get anything, but I'm not dead. I'm okay. I've just got to L that. So um, it's interesting. It can be difficult, but here I am five years later, and I'm alive, and I'm living a life that I wouldn't have had had it not been the LVAD. So I'm very thankful for that. And, and anytime I get down about something that's going on or my back hurts for carrying around these batteries and everything, I think, but I'm alive and thankful for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so for our listeners, and thank you for explaining the LVAD and, and for our listeners wondering about why she may not have a pulse or a blood pressure, that blood as it's being pulled out of the left ventricle and put into the aorta it's a continuous flow of blood. It's not a pulsatile flow. And so that's why there's no pulse because it's the blood is constantly being moved uh, through a pump that's continuously spinning rather than pulsatile flow. So yes, she is alive. She's talking, she has good signs of perfusion and we're having a great conversation now, um, but very good point. No pulse and um, no blood pressure in most patients. So tell us again, a little bit more about your VAB. You told us what it does, but what is it like as a patient or as an individual that has an LVAD versus prior to getting your device? Tell us about some of the things uh, that you dealt with before you had an LVAD. And then now that you have had one, tell us what life is like with that. Before I got the LVAD, uh, the cardiomyopathy had, had worked so hard on me that I could barely get across the room. I remember times when I'd be sitting in my chair, I don't have a big house, and I'd have to really make up my mind if I wanted to walk the 10 steps to the bathroom or to the kitchen. So being here was a struggle because of the low heart function. The things that we have to do on a, a daily, weekly basis, monthly basis with the LVAD is uh, you have to change out your batteries uh, you can hook to shore power at night, which means we have a device. Uh, it's a base device that we charge our batteries. And we also have a device that we can 
get off of the batteries and hook up directly to electrical power. So there's that you've got to deal with. Uh, you have to constantly check every day what your um, rates are doing, what the LVAT is doing, uh, what your heart rate's doing, what your flow is. So, I mean, there's some medical things that you have to tend to on a daily basis. On a weekly basis, Coumadin. And so I have to check my INR weekly and uh, get with my doctors and see if I need to go up or down on it. Uh, also, once a month, we have to uh, clean our batteries and our charger and our controller and charge it. So there's some daily maintenance, weekly and monthly maintenance that has to be done in order to keep these things running. But it's it's very important <laughs> that you that you take care of your equipment because it's your life. Right, exactly. And that's why it takes a good um, knowledgeable patient that, that can have an LVAD implanted and can help care for themselves, but also a caregiver as well. And so for you, I'm assuming that would be your husband that helps you with those things. Um, it started off, it was my daughter. She was the one that would came, come to me three times a week to change um, my dressing. And oh, that's one thing I forgot. Uh, we have an, a port where the uh, connection comes out of our body and mine's in my stomach. It comes out and has a wire that connects, drive line that connects to the batteries. And it has a um, sterile bandage on it that we have to change weekly. Now I, I change my own and it varies per person. Some people, especially early on, like me after surgery, you'd have to change it three times a week. And my daughter would come down and do it. My husband had a little trouble with the bandage changing because his hands are so big that he didn't have the manual dexterity needed. But after six months, my daughter taught me how to do my, and so I do it myself. And it just varies. Um, a lot of people still have a caregiver that changes their dressing form. And uh, then there's just as many of us that take care of our own dressing. And so for you, um, you know, you talked about your daughter, you talked about your husband, uh, you've mentioned other people as well in the community that, that are able to dress their own dressing or, or need support. So what is it like being part of a support group and how important is it to collaborate with other patients with VADS or family members of patients with VADS? Well, I'm a big proponent of support groups. Uh, it was one of the things that helped me the most after getting through the surgery. And of course, I had lots of questions. I went into it unconscious. So um, <clears throat> I didn't know much about it, but having people that you can go to and as much knowledge as you medical people have, uh, you'll be able to explain the technical side of it. You don't have the practical everyday experience. And that's where the support group comes in. Uh, what we try to do is uh, we talk to people who are going to been, have been told they need an LVAD. We explain to them about the surgery and we don't sugarcoat it. It's a hard surgery, but it's doable. And the upside is you can get through it and keep living. The downside is you're going to die if you don't. 
Uh, we've had uh, a number of people come in. I have a lady right now in Baylor that's getting a transplant. Uh, she came to our group asking about it, and we told her about the surgery, and we told her about keeping up with the bag and and the uh, dressings and all that kind of stuff. Answered a whole lot of questions for us, and I think that's the key that you have some warm body that you can talk to and ask practical questions. We also are I'm considered we consider, we're encouragers. Uh, that's part of our main part of our group is that we encourage one another, uh, whatever's going on. This lady that uh, is in getting a transplant now, she came to us and was told that she either needed to get uh, LVAD or get on the transplant list. She did get approved, got on it. And before she could get her LVAD, she got the transplant. So we are fortunate in our support group that not only do we have LVAD members, but we have uh, now three, we had five, but two of them were inactive. We have three active members who have uh, gone on to a transplant. And so you have somebody that you can speak to about that and ask questions. I think it's just critically important. And another thing that we do in, in addition to giving information, encouragement, is we pray for one another. We have a text group and if, if anybody's having any kind of difficulty, we send out a text and everyone uh, prays. And I happen personally to believe um, that's that's the key, and so do all of our other you know, bad people. Yeah, it's an amazing support group. I've I've attended a number of times myself and been a part of it. And I think that the um, as you mentioned, there's support on all levels. It's not just technical information. It's it's really like a, a family, <laughs> and yeah. and everybody cares about each other. And and I have found that it is so vital to have that uh, community based care. Um, that is promoted by patients with with these devices uh, to help encourage others. And, and so I really appreciate you sharing uh, a little bit about your support group. You mentioned um, answering questions and, and the education needed. And I wanted to transition over to nursing a little bit. You know, for nurses that are caring for, for patients such as yourself, I'm sure you've been on the other side of the bed rails from nurses like me many, many times in, over the years. What do you feel is important in terms of being a lifelong learner and the importance on the nursing side of things uh, to continuously learn and grow in our profession? And how does that impact someone like you? Well, I, there's a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, knowledge is when you learn something new every day. I think it's vitally important to keep learning. Uh, there's a lot of things in life that uh, can be taken away from you. There's um, money, there's jobs, there's relationships. But the one thing that cannot be taken away from you is knowledge. And the more knowledge you have about a, a situation, or in our case, our, our device, or whatever, the, the more confident you can be in dealing with it. Um, I, I want nurses to... I've said oftentimes uh, in, when I'm with Michael speaking it before groups, they want to know what I want nurses to know. And I said, if I present myself to you in an emergency room, I'll slide my bag that holds all my equipment around behind me 
and I say, look at me and see what I've got going on. Don't worry about this LVAD because now after a while, people in the medical profession are beginning to learn more about the LVAD so they're not scared to death of it. Um, we've had people in our support group that were turned away from a hospital emergency room because the doctor said, I don't know anything about an LVAD, get out of here. He had pneumonia. His heart was fine. Um, so that's that's the thing. I, I think it's pretty critically important for people to continue to, to learn and to gain knowledge. And through gaining knowledge is wisdom. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing. And, and do you feel like over the years now that um, you're continuing to spread the message throughout the community with your support group and, and you have, as you mentioned, you've actually spoken with me at several conferences. Um, do you see that there is more of a uh, ease of care when, when you're in an emergency department or a clinic setting? Do you, do you find that the nurses are more at ease with caring for you and, and for the LVAD there? Or do you still feel like there's a lot of progress to be made? Um, well, I'm sure there's a lot of progress made because all you nurses know that the doctors need to learn all this stuff too. <laughs> You've got that to deal with. However, I think that things have progressed significantly about speaking at these, uh, you've given us the opportunity to speak before these groups. I think it's a great blend because you give the technical side of what uh, an LVAD is and how it operates and, and so forth. And what uh, we LVADers do when we speak with you, I call us your show and tell. Uh, we're the ones who can give practical everyday up-close experiences nurses can come up and have, come up and, and be able to ask us questions like, how do you take a bath? I, I get to ask a lot. And uh, they want to listen to the uh, to the LVAD, I carry around stethoscopes so people can listen because it has a different listen. I think that they are learning. Um, I'm especially excited because in Shreveport, in our area, we have a, a new doctor that has come in within the last two years that's a specialist in heart failure and uh, LVADs. And he is even, he's worked with Baylor, which is where I got my LVAD. He's worked with them and created a share care program. They are not yet locally doing implanting of LVADs or transplants, but he is has staff that are well aware and they're working toward that end. But it is, it is right now, he and his staff um, and his, some of the people with him are able to uh, service us. And I have recently, as Baylor called it, been adopted by the local doctor. So I don't have to go to my implanting uh, station anymore. I can go to my local doctor and see all that came within just five years. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see what will happen in the future. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to turn it over to Mark. He has some more questions for you, but it's been great speaking with you. It's good speaking with you. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, thanks, Michael. And thank you, Kay. Kay, I got a question for you. Uh, can you tell me about a moment in your career that greatly impacted you? Can you think of one moment that greatly impacted you? And I'm sure there's more than one, but can you come up with one? I really can't think. Like I said, it's been a long time ago since I even worked. But um, 
Uh, I did have some people that I worked for, uh, owners of properties, that were especially encouraging. And I, I think I grew a lot as a person and as a property manager in dealing with them. So they were very important to me. Great. Thank you. Now, I got to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Uh, one of them is, if you weren't a commercial property manager, what are the things would you have done in life? Is there something else you wanted to do? Well, initially, I thought I wanted to be a high school English teacher, and I'm really glad I didn't choose to do that, <laughs> especially in these days and times. That, that was another thing that was of interest to me. Now, I'm going to ask you some favorite categories. So uh, how about a favorite movie? A favorite movie. Well, I have lots. My husband and I are big movie people. We watch a lot of movies, but and it's very eclectic swing of movies. Uh, I really like Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. It's a, based on a true story, and it's Savannah, Georgia, which happens to be one of my favorite cities in this country. Um, and it's it was just very interesting and quirky, and I really enjoyed it. How about a favorite book? Uh, well, there was a, the movie had a book, and I liked it a lot. Um, <clears throat> it goes from one one thing to another. I have a big range of interest. Right now, I'm reading the book called uh, in a group in a series called Dexter, and it um, I, I think of you, Dexter, every time I pick up the book. But uh, this guy is nothing like you. He's rough and tumble. But I'm enjoying the book very much. I, I love to read and, um, and very different types of books. Great. Super. And how about a favorite song? Oh, my goodness. I love music. And there's all kind of favorite songs through the years. Probably one that comes to my mind, The Eagles, is a, one of my favorite groups. Love the harmony. Um, but they put out a song called Get Over It. And... Um, it's a, it, it's a very pointed song about just, you know, get over it. Don't, don't wallow around in what's going on around you. But so that's one, one of my favorites. I'll, I go to it a lot. Good song. I know it well. Yeah, it's a very good song. Absolutely. So, Kay, how about a comfort food or meal? Do you have any kind of comfort food or meal that you like? Well, my favorite meal, I guess, is... A filet steak grilled by my husband. Um, he, he makes the best steak in the world. And so that and a little baked potato and salad is just about the most uh, wonderful meal I could sit down to. Wow, you and I agree on the song and on the meal. I like it. This is good. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm hungry. And uh, how about, do you have any other hobbies or interests? I know you like to read in that. And uh, so what are the hobbies and interests? Um, I have a, a, a real love for, for, for photography. My daddy was a professional photographer, although he died quite young when I was 14. He um, made a lasting impression on me and showed me a lot about uh, composition of photos and so forth. And so I take a lot of photos, uh, especially when we travel. And just about every picture in my home is a picture of um, a place that we've been and uh, so that that's important I love music all kinds of music I don't know whether that's a hobby or not but uh, I spend time doing it 
Um, my latest hobby acquisition, I call it my COVID hobby, is um, coloring on an app on my phone. I've always loved color. I like the creativity of it. And it's kind of a, a dummy way of coloring. You don't have to go find colors in a coloring book. You just hold, pick up your phone and I have a couple of apps that presents pictures and it's kind of like paint by number. Uh, so that that's my COVID thing and I'm hanging on to it. I just love doing that. It's relaxing. Neat, very neat. Yeah, I remember paint, remember uh, color by pencils. You had the different pencils and yeah, you would just. I've got colors, I've got pencils, uh, anything you'd want to make uh, colored with in all kinds of different color books. But the phone is just so easy. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I right? I don't have to keep up with anything else. Mm -hmm. Very good. And uh, Kay, if our audience would like to follow you online, uh, social media platforms, I understand you're on Facebook? Yes. Um, personally, I'm on Facebook. It's Kay Alexander Brown. And then our support group has a Facebook page. And it's, um, I always have to look to make sure I'm saying it right. It's LVAD support group slash of Northwest Louisiana and Northeast Texas. And I'm the administrator and creator of that. That um, Facebook page is unlike a lot of other um, LVAD groups on Facebook in that we try to keep it centered on encouraging um funny uh we go over new things that have come up in the medical community but it doesn't get into all of the whys and wherefores and crying about what problem they're having and all that kind of stuff uh, we we try to just keep it funny and entertaining and encouraging the last post i put on there is life is like a straw you can either suck the fun out of everything you do or just relax and blow bubbles. I like that. I like that. I do too. That's good. And for our audience, just let them know uh, what Kay just told you will be out on the podcast notes too. So you'll be able to find it out there. Well, Kay, thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed it. As far as on this episode of BCN and Friends for sharing your time, your stories. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you and Michael giving me this opportunity. And to all of our listeners, we hope you'll stay tuned as we continue on with BCN and Friends and bring in new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I'm Mark Eggers here with Michael Dexter, and on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you are doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time. Thank you.